I remember like I did this, I don't know how many times. And then one day I was putting him to bed and he starts crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, you always tell me that we're going to play later. And when later comes, then it's time to go to bed and we never get to play. And I remember like just. I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It Podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today I have with me Amanda Cruz, who is an author uh, of, of uh, The Legacy Code. Uh, welcome, Amanda. Uh, would you like to tell my guest a little, something about yourself, please? Sure. Thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, what can I say? Uh, I like to say I am a connoisseur of experiences. So what that means is I seek out to really immerse myself in this world uh, through my senses, through experiences, uh, putting myself in either difficult situations, beautiful situations, um, and trying to experience it with my family, my friends, and my clients. And as, as you said, I am the author of the, the Legacy Code. And with that, uh, I've been using the information in that book that I put in there to help essentially married men that are entrepreneurs show up more powerfully in their marriage, in their business, um, in their relationships, and in the contribution they want to leave in this world. That's fantastic. I know uh, we touched base initially a while back. And, and your message was particularly poignant for where I was. So, uh, yeah, good stuff. Okay. So, um, okay, so into the first question. So can you tell us a little something about what's going on in your world right now? Sure. Uh, my wife and I are in the process of uh, scaling our fitness and physical therapy business. Uh, we've had it for 12 years and just looking for a continued way to add more value um, and continue to serve more people, helping them specifically getting out of pain and remaining active. So our, our market primarily is 50 and above, really helping them stay active and not be scared of movement and their bodies. So we have that going. We have uh, different retreats that we're trying to put on. We have, uh, I will be beginning my second book the second half of this year. So sometime in, in July, maybe August. And I'm trying to see if there's something else, you know, just the stuff that we do for ourselves. Uh, I think we have, we had mentioned to you, like I'll be coaching my son's uh, 11 and under basketball team. So it'll be the first time I'll, he'll be playing in some kind of organized league and I get to be a part of that, which is part of the experiences. And I think it's, it's, I'm really excited for it. I think I'm more excited than he is. <laughs> <laughs> That's a big one. Anyway, it's a, it's a, it's, it's an, what's the word? It's, uh, it's a lot of expectations, but I bet you're probably more nervous than the, the kids, you know? It's, uh, it's, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Not, not to be in front of them, but, um, I'm, I'm more than anything, I'm excited to meet the kids yeah. and to see how this all plays out. Cause he's, he's starting off in the same league that I did. Oh, cool. When I was, and there's still a lot of the same characters in that league than when I was a kid, which is, which is exciting and scary at the same time. <laughs> so, uh, it, it'll be, it'll be cool to kind of come back to where it all started for me when I was a kid playing sports. Oh, excellent. Okay. So you mentioned that you, uh, you help, uh, the over fifties with stay. So like, is that like functional health? Is that what they call it? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we my, my wife and I have been very fortunate to, you know, I'm by, by, by training a, a, a physical therapist or a physio, as you guys would say over there across the pond. Right. Yeah. Um, and my wife is an exercise physiologist. And over the course of the past 12 years, we've essentially taken what we've learned and combined it to create our own method, our own system to really approaching the body and health in a very unique way, specifically when it pertains to, to pain and letting your body go. A lot of times we end up uh, in pain and what happens, you go to the doctor and the doctor says, they check everything. It's like, 
there's nothing wrong with you, but yet you feel like this overwhelming sense of like, no, there is something wrong. I'm in pain. I don't feel right. And he's like, well, the tests that I'm giving you say there's nothing wrong with you. And so now you start doubting, am I going crazy? You know, is this, is this doctor doesn't know what he's talking about? So what we help do is we help translate body, <laughs> the language of the body, so that the person can actually understand it and now essentially communicate better with their body and eliminate that pain. That's great, man. I can, I can relate to that. Um, and, I, and I think that's sorely needed. Do you, is that just one-on-one in a, a, a physical setting or is it, could it be like online as well? Yeah. Yeah, we do. We do definitely work uh, virtually. My wife was today, she had uh, a client, you know, we're in South Florida and Miami. Uh, she had a client out in Texas and, you know, this client has been suffering with pain. She was going to physical therapists. She was going to and a chiropractor. And she was obviously going to her doctor because she's also pregnant. And in two sessions with my wife, after having been through the chiropractor and the therapist, they told her, said, well, you know, you're pregnant, so you're just going to have to live with this. You know, this is good. This is part of the process. And in two sessions with my wife, she had no pain and she's feeling better than ever. My, my wife hasn't even touched her this <laughs> is over, over, you know, the same thing we're doing over Zoom. And so a lot of it is really understanding what's actually going on and not getting distracted by the symptoms, which I think is one of the big issues that we face. I guess in any profession, because it's easy. Like it's not, nobody does it on purpose, but that's just it. It's a distraction. If you can kind of pull the shades back as to, wait, what's actually going on? And once you get a better understanding there, then we can address them. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. So with regards to what your wife does, is is that uh, purely food-based or is it like understanding the body, the way we train in, the way we were living is, is, is encompassing everything. Yeah. Um, so it's funny because everybody thinks about, you know, when I say physical therapist or, or, you know, training, everybody obviously has this box that you put it in. Oh, you know, there's nutrition, there's exercise, you got to do rehabilitation stuff. And that's part of it. But those are tools what we're talking about is actually having a system of better understanding the body. And it starts with the brain. So, okay, wait, what is it? That, what are the needs of the brain? And so we really have created a whole system around what's going on with the brain so that you can be in the best place to then put your mindset in the best place to then put your body in the best place and then feed the body from, you know, there, there are six components that we, we always talk about, which is oxygenation, hydration, nutrition relaxation, stimulation, and the last one is emotion. If you understand those and you're able to give the body what it needs of those, then you don't have pain. Very often you're missing one or more of these. And once you understand that, then we can start working towards it. And once that starts happening, it's just like any relationship. If you don't communicate properly, there's going to be friction. And if you still don't communicate somebody's going to start having an adverse reaction. You're going to start getting that passive aggressiveness. You're going to start getting, you know, people blowing up for seemingly stupid stuff. And the truth is, is it's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's everything else. And so what we've been able to do well is bridge that gap between what the brain and the body needs and what, what our clients need and then put them together and essentially become a, uh, body uh body marriage counselor <laughs> i know i like that. i like it man that's yeah no i mean and spot on that's how my change started was with my brain yeah you know, it, it was about getting rewired first um which then led yeah to shifts in habits behaviors then lifestyle training eating and the more and the, the more weight i lose and the fitter i become the more encouraged I am to find more ways of improving it. Right. You know, right. it's, 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 it's weird how we can get into these situations, right? I mean, I, I'm 44, so, um, dumped a load of weight last year. And over the last four years, four and a half stone total I've lost. But the first wow. two years, 
were about little, little, like smaller plates, portion control. You know, and but what I was getting at was forty-four years old, and I now feel I'm in the best best shape I've ever been in, and I'm still big. I'm I'm still I still wait to lose, you know. Right. But how how do you (laughs) how does someone get to forty-four years old? And, and and never have been in the best shape they could possibly be in. It's, do you know what I mean? It's just, it's cooking right. my head, the fact that I've let myself get to the point I have. Yeah. You know, that's a great question. And, and I think, I think that that stems more from, again, lack of, lack of knowledge hmm. or lack of a vision, right? So either you didn't know what you didn't know or. Definitely. Even even if you did know it, you just really had nothing that was really driving you at that point. And so what happens is there's almost a – I'm going to use the word entitlement that you should be in the – like I'm entitled to being in good shape because I'm in my 20s. No, if you don't work for it, it ain't going to happen, right? So if you missed your 20s and you missed your 30s or you missed your teens and you really didn't do anything about your health in this case, well, yeah, you have an opportunity to be in the best shape of your life. 40. Now, if you really dove down and said, you know, 20s or 30s, maybe you won't get to that peak conditioning, right? So there, that's where you have to make a decision. That's where you have to redefine what you really mean by that. Is it, have you reached your peak potential? Like I can't, I, I mean, one of the things that I like to do is run. I love running. I love running and exploring and doing those kinds of things. I cannot run as fast as I used to. I used to be able to run a lot faster. Right now, I don't have that leg turnover, but I can run a lot further. Mm. I can endure a lot more pain. I can do a lot more suffering. And so I've redefined what it means uh, performance for myself. And because if you don't do that, then you fall into the, oh, you know, living out the good old days. Well, no. Yes, you can celebrate the, the good old days, but there's more to come if you're willing to explore it ahead. So don't live in the past with what it is, but at the same thing, don't, don't sell yourself, uh, don't sell yourself short of the future either. Yeah. I like that. I've never really thought of it that way. Of the fact that there could be people reliving their fitter, younger times because my fitter, younger times, were also encompassed with excessive alcohol and really, really poor food diet. Right. So for, when I go back, I go back to me being big, but still running on the rugby pitch. Right. Do you know what I mean? So I, and I was, I was never been in peak shape, um, ever. As you know, I never, I never give it a hundred percent. And there's, and there's things I got to dig into there. I know that. Um, but, but let's, let, let's look at it. Actually, I want to stop there for a second because I want you to pay attention to this. And while you were never at peak shape, you at 44 right now going out in the rugby pitch and properly going through a game, mm. you're, you may be in better shape, but your body doesn't recover the same way. Like you're 44. I wouldn't do it. <laughs> right. Well, that, that, that's the point, right? So like you also have to put things in context, right? Yeah. Your body was recovering on alcohol essentially mm. and beasting each other. <laughs> I mean, that's what a rugby pitch is for, right? But at 44, is that really what you want to be doing? No. Eh, maybe not. I mean, some people, yeah, but you're not going to play to the same degree. There's a reason why you don't have 44-year-old players essentially playing rugby or football or, you know, high, these high-contact sports. It's not, it's, not, uh, it's not feasible at the highest level. No. No, I get it. I get it. That's, a, that's some good food for thought for me right there. So uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely switch uh, direction. So uh, allowing my audience to uh, understand you a little bit better. Um, thinking back to a time when you were in school, um, what stories come to mind for you? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> so, Want to narrow that down a little bit? <laughs> I got plenty. Uh, let's go, let's, let's go um, primary. So under tens. Okay. Um, I, I, I guess, you know what, in looking back, sports world was part of my life. Um, since I was little, since I was little, I was playing something and 
I was my own worst enemy from the perspective of I was never satisfied when I was when I was younger. Like it didn't matter if I had a good game or a bad game. I just focused on whatever needed to be fixed. And I realized now, looking back, that I didn't take time to celebrate. And while I was dedicated, I missed a lot of opportunities because I blinded myself with just the things that went wrong. And so, you know, I can remember, I don't know how, pretty much every basketball game, you know, we could win, we could lose. And it would be like, at the end of the game, it's like, what's wrong? It's like, ah, you know, I did this or they didn't pass me the ball here. I missed this shot or I did that. I was like, you just won the game. Yeah, but I could have done better. We could have done better. And, you know, some people glorify that. And I, you know, I, I, there's a time and a place for that. But I also see that as, as a person, like I started off this interview saying, I'm a connoisseur of experiences. I missed a lot of amazing experiences that were right in front of me because I never opened my eyes. I was looking towards the future always or looking towards the past, but I wasn't standing in the present. So, I mean, that's one, one that comes up, <laughs> which yeah, was no, a theme growing up, <laughs> which was a theme growing up. Yeah. No, you, you're going to play that everywhere right the way through, can you? I mean, that's, that's a yeah. fantastic awareness um, and yeah. taking time to be present. I mean, I've, I've tried to build my life around being present around my family because before I was consumed with uh, working overtime and, and everything else and bringing the money in, which meant... I was in a job I didn't enjoy coming home stressed out. I just wasn't present. Right. Um, and I've tried, I've changed my jobs and I'm trying to pursue that be that sense of being present with my family. It's just, it gives you something you could never imagine until you're actually doing it. Right. Like how different you are when you present in the world, when you are actually present. Um, I'm, I'm get, do you touch on that in your book? Yeah, I, actually, there's quite a few stories in there of different kind of uh, uh, times where, where uh, here I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, you mind if I share a story? Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, that's what it's all yeah. about. <laughs> so, I, I remember there was a part, and because you talked about being present, and exactly like like you, there was there was a point, and I, I remember. So this was my my oldest, and. It was because I, I, I have my own business. I have an office in the house. So I work in the house. I work in the office and the other office. I work in, I work at, I can work anywhere. So whenever I was here, he would, he would come and he'd be like, daddy, you want to play? Cause he wasn't in school yet. And I'd be like, no, I can't right now. I'm working later, later. And I remember like, I did this, I don't know how many times. And then one day I was putting him to bed and he starts crying. And I'm like, what's wrong? He goes, you always tell me that we're going to play later. And when later comes, then it's time to go to bed and we never get to play. And I remember like just feeling like a dagger stab and then like twist, twist. And I was like, wow, he's 100% right. And I had to apologize. And so we came up with like a little strategy. We came up with like, okay, you want to play? Great. We'll put, we'll set a timer because I do need to work. I need to finish certain things. So I said, and, and that's all he needed. It wasn't that he needed an entire day. It was just 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Mm. And it was like, oh, okay. He got, he was able to get some. And then, you know, he'd come back later on. Same exact thing. Great. So it made me more efficient with my work, but then it made me more present when I was there. I wasn't like, all right, I can play, but I really need to be back here. Like, this is like, okay, when this beeps, we can play. When it beeps again, we need to stop playing. Papa's got to go back to, yeah. to, to work. And so for both of us, there was a very clear delineation when we start, when we finish. And it really helped to bridge that gap so that it wasn't, I kept pushing him back because... If you're an entrepreneur, you know that you can pretty much work 24 hours if really, there's always something to do. Always. There's always something to do. So you have to be on point and say, no, I'm going to stop working now. 
I'm shutting it off. And then tomorrow I'll resume at this time. And it seems like a simple enough thing, but when you're in it, it's a lot harder to, to execute. Right. So, uh, we found that that little timer was that was a simple solution, a simple and elegant solution to something that was important. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and so important because that time could have just been gone and you never would have captured it. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. and how long ago have you been acting on that? Like you said it was your eldest, so. Yeah. So he was probably like two, three, so probably about a good eight years. Oh, nice. So you've, you've so look at, look, yeah. that's brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah, yeah like, oh, wait, but, and by the way, not that I get it perfect every time. There's sometimes it's still, oh yeah, well, we'll do it later. And instead of saying, okay, wait, let's set a timer. I've been doing that more now with my younger one, who's four. He he loves playing games, loves playing like board games and different things like that. I'm like, oh, you know, he's like, oh, can we play this? All right, let's set, let let me finish. Here's the timer. Give me ten more minutes. When this beeps, come and get. Like I give him my phone, mm. and I say, like they they don't like our kids don't play on the phone, but I give them the timer so that they're responsible for it. So they take my phone. And I said, just close the door. And when that beeps, you come and get me. And then wherever I am, I stop. I say, okay. And then we set the timer and say, okay, look, look, I can do this for 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Okay, great. Let's play. When it beeps, okay, dad's got to go back to work. Okay, great. And, you know, I think it's it works for us. And it allows us to be in the moment a lot more. Oh, I like that. That's a, that's a nice takeaway, that is. It's uh, yeah. There's too many moments that slip by if you're not if you're not away. <clears throat> so it's super important to capture them. Okay. Um. So fast forward a few years after primary, or when you were telling us the story earlier on about being in school and and then not missing all those good times. Um. To a time of great change. What stories and emotions does that evoke for you? Hmm. I say that there's there's certain times in our life. Some people have more of these than others. Some people have very clearly defined that maybe one or two in their entire life. I can recall probably one of the most significant ones, which was probably four and a half years ago. Okay. Um, four and a half years ago, I fell into perhaps, actually, no, it's probably closer to five years. Five years ago, I fell into what I would classify as a depression. And let me quali qualify that a little bit more. When I say that, I mean, I was a less than state than myself. So I wasn't clinically depressed. I wasn't, and I, I don't want to make light of it. I don't want to, you know, there's some people that have a deeper problem with this. I'm using that word to describe a lesser version of me showing up. And it was essentially, it got to the point where I almost bankrupted the business. I put a lot of strain on our family because financially it was going downhill quick. And my wife was pregnant with our third child. And I just felt like I had lost my identity. I was still helping people the same way I do now is that something switched. Something was like, I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore. And none of my clients knew because I was still serving them. I was still working with them, but I just kind of like wanted to run away. I don't know what it was. I just felt deeply, deeply troubled. And I would come home in the middle of the day and I would sleep for four or six hours. I I get people sending me clients and I turn them away. And I remember my wife just like, look, I don't know what's wrong. Like, I, I don't know how to help you. I know that there's something wrong, but I don't know how to help you. Mm -hmm. And I, I, around that time, you know, we've talked about Dax, but around that time, Dax had reached out to me. You know, we had been friends for a bit uh, around that time. And he invited me to go on one of his retreats. And... I remember telling my wife about the, the retreat 
And the retreat was halfway across the world for us. So it was in Thailand. I'm in the US. And there was a good chance that I could miss the birth of our third if I went. And I remember her saying, do you feel like this can help? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I truly believe it. Um, and she's like, well, then, like, I would rather you miss the birth and be here for us, like the man that I know you to be for the rest of our life, than you be there and you're still vacant. You're still in another place. And I was like, that's pretty, pretty insane because look, I've, I had, I had already been through two births and, you know, they're no walk in the park. So for her to do that on her own was a big, was a big deal. So I finally went over there and I, I gained the level of clarity that I hadn't had in such a long time. I realized, like, you remember I said I felt lost. I felt like, ooh, I felt like the darkness had been lifted, like somebody turned on the lights and I could see how the work that I was doing was meaningful and creating impact in the lives of, of others, which is what I wanted. And then I also realized that there's a way that I wanted to serve deeper. And that's when I started working with men just like me, men who were entrepreneurs that were married, that more often than not found success financially, but it came at the expense of perhaps their health at the expense of their relationships, at the expense of them actually doing what they wanted or creating what they wanted in this world. And so there was an emptiness. There was this feeling of, is that all there is? And so in going over there, I gained that clarity. That's where I started creating a lot of my coaching programs, a lot of the methodology. I had 10 days to really reflect like I had never had before this space to, to just think and create. And, you know, by nature, um, creator is one of my values. When I get to create, I feel I'm operating at one of my gifts, at one of the things that I get to do best. And so to have that space and that light, if you want to call it where, or that clarity, it just started flowing and started flowing like all this stuff that was inside that needed to come out just kept coming out. And I remember I got back and like three or four days later, the baby was born. So I made it back in time. Usually I forget to tell that part of the story and people are like emailing me and they're like, Did you miss? Or, or, or nobody emails me, but they, you know, inside they're like, this guy's, a, this guy's an ass. You know, so I just want to let the record show I made it back on time. Um, but you know, what I, the reason I share that story is because there are times in our life where we're going to find ourselves in the dark. You know, if you walk into a room that was dark, are you going to walk confidently through it? No. Right. Cause you don't know what's coming. You might trip, you might get hurt. You might smash into a wall. You don't know what's going on, but take that same room and turn on the light. And all of a sudden, your confidence goes up. Why? Because you have clarity. Clarity gives you, helps give you more direction, gives you speed. When people say to me, I don't know why, but I keep procrastinating. All that's telling me is that you're trying to move in a dark room and you haven't yet figured out how to turn on the lights. So like in the work that I do, one of my big jobs is turn on the light where there's darkness. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I completely resonate with that. Oh, that's it's you know that dissimilar with, with your story to myself with regards mm. to depression. So, uh, right. um, yeah, and, and I was lost, frustrated, unfulfilled, right. uh, but supremely aware of time running out too. Mm. So uh, that that you know that was a. I used to say to my wife, "I'm halfway through." At forty, you know. So yeah, no, I, can, I like I like the way you phrase it. Yes, yeah, cool, man. Cool. Okay, so um, if life was to be happening for you and not to you, what lesson have you been gifted? Hmm. 
the lesson of, in all honesty, life is the lesson. Uh, I think too, too much is made about destinations and I'm all for journeys. Not to say that I don't like arriving anywhere, but in any destination or in any, uh, in any journey, you spend most of the time traveling and then you get to the destination. If you set out to achieve a goal, you spend more of your time attempting and achieving it than you do once you're there. Because then you get there and you, okay, what's next? Yeah. Right. And what I've learned is to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. The journey is where you're going to find, you're going to find the magic. And what I mean by that is people are always in a hurry. And I get it. I've been there. Um, we want to see the results right now. But what people fail to see is that the journey is what helps you become the man that you need to be to be able to take on the journey or to take on that destination. That that person that needs to be there for the destination needs to be created. And if you skip it, you're a lesser version of yourself in that journey and you can't really take advantage of it. And so what you'll find is through the greatest struggles, what you find is that that's where you gain your greatest strengths. And as you gain your strengths from these struggles, overcoming these obstacles, heading into the darkness and finding the light and maneuvering your way through it is when you, you build up the skill set, the strength, the clarity, the, the focus that you need to really appreciate that end goal, but only in only when you're ready, you've heard it say, you know, you know, when you're ready, kind of that's when things start happening. Well, that ready that people were talking about is that it's that transformation that you need to go through under, under stress, under these obstacles, under suffering, under the, you know, the, the roadblocks of life. And very often we are so used to being comfortable that we try to avoid the very thing that is going to help us get to where we want to get to. Yeah. Nicely put again. It's, um, you, so you, if you can imagine some of the, some of the people maybe listening to this, they maybe haven't, haven't got you, you, you are approaching your problems and obstacles with a certain mindset. So how would you pass on to somebody that's dealing with difficulties or obstacles in life, how to approach, or how you approach and engage with those obstacles and, 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 diff and difficulties? That's a great question. Um, it may be different for different people based off where you are. Um, I can tell you, and, and this is the pro this is a lot of the process that we go through in the book, but um, we have di uh, these five different stages, right? So you have your vision, getting clear on that vision. What is it you, you even want, right? And that can be sometimes a very hard question. And because if you're in the darkness, right? If you're in the darkness, if you're struggling, if you're just surviving, your ability for your brain to access and self-actualize, meaning think forward into the future is very different, is difficult because you're not in your human brain, right? So I'm gonna break this down a little bit more now some of the neuroscience. This is not just, this is what's happening in your brain. So when you're in this hour of survival, you are not thinking like a human. You're thinking like an animal. And uh, you know, I qualify that with, we have three brains, our more primal, which is our reptilian brain, which is the thing that keep us alive. It's the brain that the flight or flight, you know, it wants to keep us alive above all things. Then you have your mammalian brain, which is responsible for um, cohesion and, and group dynamics, hierarchy. Those things that are a little bit understated when people say, oh, you know, I don't care what people think. They're BSing. Our brains are wired that way. Now, the difference is that there are some people that genuinely don't care what other people think, except the right people. That's where you start some of that training is putting these filters and saying, okay, wait, 
how does this person have an implication in my life? They've never invested in my life. I've never invested in theirs. I don't care that they're, they, they don't rank as high as perhaps my father or my brother or my best friend who has invested in my life. Okay. They know who I am. If they're seeing me step away and they call me out on it, at the very least, I take a step back and say, okay, wait, either they're not seeing something that I'm not communicating or they're right. Right. And, and, and it's being able to be humble enough to, to admit that. But so, so to your point, uh, with r- regarding kind of the, the brain and kind of moving forward when you're in this darkness, it depends on where you are. If you're not a human, if you want to call it that, because you're so far in that survival mode, well, we need to feed those animals. We need to give them that closure so that you can upgrade back up to an, to, to, to a human. And, you know, you hear people talk about mindset. The problem is that you can't access mindset when you're in that struggle. When you're an animal, mindset only happens when you're a human. And I hope you're, you're, you know, you and whoever's listening is understanding the distinction here. Obviously, you're not turning into an animal or I'm not saying that you're violent or anything like that. Um, what I am saying is that your ability to access and think with your human brain, your neocortex, the thing that helps us self-actualize and actually think through problems and have that consciousness, we don't have access to it to the same degree. And as a result, we can't craft out the things that we need to grow. So first thing, we got to get out of that survival state. And so we have to set up either environments that are there to protect us, there to nurture us. If you think about, you know, what are your environments? Think about your work environment. You said you were in a job that you really hated. I mean, was it just because of what you were doing or the people around you, the people around you weren't the greatest? Uh, right. right. So uh, look, that's a, that's a great example. There's an environment that for you at that moment, based off what you knew and in, in your mind, that point of reference, it was a very toxic environment for you. So that wouldn't lead you to be in a better mental space. It wouldn't lead you to make the best decisions. So what happens? You're not in shape. So you, you keep going further and further down the line. Maybe you're like, oh, screw this. You drink more maybe because, you know, these people are frustrating me. And now you're, you know that you're not living up to your potential. So all that to share that your environment makes a big difference. So how do you start creating these, these environments that help you heal, help you reset? So that then you can get and access to that. The other thing is borrow someone else's. This is what people don't talk about, right? So one of the strengths that having and hiring a coach has is you get to borrow their um, their brain when you're in the darkness. You get to you get to borrow their prefrontal cortex when yours is not active at that moment. And by them giving you that perspective from the outside, shining a light into where your darkness is, all of a sudden, it, it can help you out of that. It helps speeds up the process. Do you need one? No. Coaching is not something that is a necessity. And I want to make this very clear. Coaching is not a necessity. Coaching, there have been millions of years of people with no coaches, and they've been just fine. You know, humanity is going to survive without coaches. The difference that a coach brings is speed. And it's there to take you into thriving faster. Because now you're not just dependent on yours. You have leveraged uh, someone else's brain as well. Someone else's perspective, right? If you look at a basketball game or even a rugby game or any game, the coach is never in the field. He stands outside of the field. The coach doesn't play the game for the players, but what he does do is he has perspective of the whole field. And that, that vision, that, that altitude away from the problem helps him have a unique view that the players don't get while they're in there. They have a unique view inside, but by him being able to see and share specific things that he's seeing with them, they can course correct and actually make better plays. He can call out and say, hey, 
based off what I'm seeing from the outside, this is the play to call at this point. Right? Yes. So does that is that do you think that's helpful? hundred percent. Yeah. I mean you yeah, you nailed it. It's uh it's all about that perspective. Um and like you said, um being able to borrow someone else's experience, uh, perspective, perception on life, it's, it's, it's all wrapped up. And but like you also say, is coach is not compulsory. You know, you can you can you can you can still do this. It just gives you speed. So right. I like I like I like the way you I like the way you put it. Okay, um, we start wrapping up now. I know we gotta uh, we gotta we gotta shoot in ten minutes. Let's have um. Tell me a story about something that has amazed you. Oh, <laughs> something that, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, probably one of the biggest amazements was that story that I shared with you with my wife. The courage that she showed was like, wow. Like, I mean, just blew my, blew my mind. Yeah, that's um, a strong woman. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say... I'll tell you something that that recently amazed me, um, and it was what we're capable of. I'm going to share this brief story here about last November. I ran my first 100 miler. Nice. Okay. So these were in the mountains in Alabama. It was point to point. So 100 miles away from one city, I ended up in a different one, running through the mountains in the trails. Where I live is flat, <laughs> like pancake flat. Uh, I live close to the beach. You know, this is this is it. Like we live actually below sea level. And so it is flat. I trained the best I could. There's a, there, there are a few bridges and I ran up and down those bridges. I dragged the tire up and down those bridges so that I had more resistance. But in the race, I ran all the way through mile 28, 29. And when I got there, my, my quads, my thighs, every time I would go downhill, felt like I was being stabbed with knives. Like it felt like they were going to rip every time I would go downhill. Needless to say, I'm in the mountains. There's plenty of downhill. <laughs> On the uphill, it felt fine. Here's... Here's the most amazing, like to me, just is kind of mind blowing. When I surrendered to the pain, it was as if my foot stepped off the brake. Not that I ran faster or not that I didn't have pain. I had both pain and I ran. <laughs> There was walking, there was crawling, there was, there was plodding along, you know, but yet there'd be these moments of extreme clarity and extreme like flow, if you want to call it, where I'd start running up a mountain, like the uphills. There was a point on mile 65 where I got a pacer. It just means somebody from your crew. So it's somebody that's not in the race can join you in the race because you're going through the night you're running you know over 24 hours um and so i'm running through the night and so somebody's there next to you just in case you know keep you safe and you know moral support there because you know you spread out pretty quick you know running 100 miles and i started at mile 65 mile 70 i started out running him whenever we had to climb mountains and I couldn't explain it as like, there's no, there's no logical way that somebody who's, I'm going to say fresh. I mean, he's been up just as long. He just hasn't been running that I could actually outrun him on the uphills, like opening up two to three minutes on him. He'd catch me on the down, but it was mind blowing to me that at mile 30, mile 28, 29, my quads feel like they're ripping. And for the rest of the next 70 some miles, they feel the same way, except these bursts going uphill. It doesn't compute. And to make 
everything kind of full circle. When I crossed the finish line, these were the two realizations that I had after I kind of soaked in the moment. I had finally done it. The next two thoughts in my head were, I can do this faster and I can run 200 and 300 miles. Because at that point, what I realized was the training helps, but what you're willing to, to endure up here gives you access to so much capabilities that, that we haven't even tapped into. And so that to me was mind blowing to me that someone who's used to pushing himself had never even come close to scratching the surface. And after experiencing that, I feel like there's so much more that I still haven't tapped into. So it's now opened up floodgates to really find out what the heck. What can I do? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which is scary for everyone else, you know, my family. But, you know, it is what it is. Exciting for you, man. (laughs) Most definitely. That's cool. That's a hell of a story. 100 miles. Yeah. (laughs) Wow, man. Yeah, no. uh, No, I I get intimidated by a, a marathon, let alone three of them. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, fair play fair play okay um, okay got time for a couple more questions um, looking into the future what would be the craziest and most exciting thing you could be experiencing oh that's played in my head quite a quite a few times I have quite a few of those crazy ones uh, planned you know When you say the word crazy and, you know, what's planned, I go, I go to me because there's a certain amount of suffering and pain that I'm willing to go through that I won't put my family through, at least physically put them through. Obviously, if I'm doing them, they're thinking about me and they're a little bit worried or a lot worried sometimes. Um, I try, I try to prepare them as much as I can, but regardless, if I'm gone, they're, they're thinking about it. So when you say that, there are a few things that come to mind. I, you know, one of the big ones that I would really love to do, and it won't happen for years, and not because I I don't feel like I physically can't do it. It's just, it's going to require a lot of time that I don't want to miss with the kids. But I would love to run the entire country connecting the trails wow. here in the U.S. Uh, I think that would be absolutely amazing. Crazy, amazing. It's all the same to me. Um, I think there's just so much that you learn about yourself whenever you experience the world on your own two feet. Mm. So that to me is that I think that that would be kind of at the pinnacle of something crazy in the future <laughs> oh no that's a good one i like it I maybe like it. maybe when the kids are in college <laughs> yeah uh, yeah definitely it's uh I say, yeah that's a good one i like it <laughs> okay uh and, and the last question of all now which is uh i feel there's more questions i want to ask but i know you gotta go <laughs> um, <laughs> we could do a round two we could do a round two cool man cool uh where can the audience find you and on what platforms Sure. I, I, so you can go to armandocruz.com. That would probably be like the hub. Uh, you can check out the, the book website, which is legacycodebook.com. Uh, I am a lot more on Facebook. You click, uh, I don't even know what it is on Facebook. Hold on a second. I'll, I'll tell put you it right in now. Okay. It's, I, I think it's the Armando Cruz and, uh, I'm also on Instagram posting some of these adventures, some of these craziness, uh, which is a cruise three, I believe it is. And I'll send you the link. I don't know off the top of my head. Cool, man. Uh, any parting information or words of wisdom for the audience? Don't be afraid to be uncomfortable. Um, on the other side of that discomfort, on the other side of that suffering, if you want to call it the suffering, realize that it helps to temper the person, the man, the woman, 
that you need to be to kind of move to that next level. If you're willing to endure that, you're going to find the limit is not really the limit that you thought. And at the same token, also listen, listen to your, listen to your body, listen to your, listen to your mind and just say, okay, how can I better communicate instead of, instead of being in a wrestling match with your body, shift that over into a waltz. Sometimes you take a step forward and you advance. Sometimes you just kind of have to stay where you are for a bit. So your body and you can kind of get used to each other and you sidestep. Other times the body's going to have you move you forward and you're going to have to take a step back. And so you dance, you dance the dance. And all of a sudden you make something beautiful and communication is a lot more as opposed to just wrestling match going back and forth together. I like it, man. I like it. Amanda, I want to thank you for your time today. Much appreciated. I love your message and I love the way you've put, uh, put your wisdom too. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful and professional people who feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit. Thank you, Armando. My pleasure, man. Just in time, two minutes to spare. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Uh, that that was good. Good. I enjoyed it. I mean, yeah, I could I could have kept going, man. That's just yeah. Uh, yeah, totally enjoyed. Well, if you're, if you're open, we'll do, we can do a round two. It's funny. I've had quite a few of these interviews, and everyone kind of gets to a point, and they're like, "Man, there's all these questions I want to ask you." <laughs> and so, if you're open to a round two, I'm always I'm always down for a round two. It's always fun just kind of sharing and and you know, having these kind of conversations with guys like you and um, always being able to share with, with other people as well. Yeah, so I agree. It's, uh, if, if, if When I do this, it fills me because it's, it's, it's allowing me to connect with people on a similar journey, albeit they may be further along. But it's, it, it does something. It does something for the soul, you know? Right, right. So, so thank you again. And thank you for your family for having your time. This yeah. Week, Speak again soon, man. I know you got a you got a shoot now, haven't you? So uh, yeah, I'll leave it to it. Mando, thank you again, man. Take care, man. Yes, bye, Joe. Bye, bye. Cheers.